This is the Fed and Fit Podcast, starting your week off with motivational thoughts on real food and fun fitness activities from Cassie Joy Garcia and co-host Carissa Talbot. Cassie is a nutritional consultant and the paleo food blogger behind fedandfit.com. Cassie has also authored two recipe ebooks, Cassie Joy's Fed and Fit Game Day Feast and Cassie Joy's Fed and Fit Holiday Feast. Each week, she will be joined by co-host Carissa Talbot. Carissa is the lady behind the widely popular Instagram and hashtag NoCookPaleo. Carissa is also the Chief Operating Officer for The Paleo Mom. If you enjoy the podcast, you can show your support by supporting another great small business. Place an order with the Granilla Bar and use the code FEDPLUSFIT at checkout so they'll know who sent you. That's the Granilla, spelled G-R-A-N-I-L-L-A, bar.com. Remember our disclaimer, the information and opinions shared in this podcast are solely those of any given individual and not a substitute for medical advice. And here are the ladies. Happy Monday, everybody. It's good to be back. And today, I'm excited to have a very special guest on the show. Steph Godreau of uh, Stupid Easy Paleo is here to talk with us. And I'm going to briefly introduce her quickly before we get into hearing from her. I just, for those of you who aren't familiar with Steph, she has authored the Paleo Athlete ebook, which you can find on her website and I believe in iTunes, um, and the newly released Performance Paleo Cookbook, which I'm just going to brag on her a little bit, was ranked one of the top 100 nonfiction books in its first week. I think that's pretty cool. She probably wouldn't say it, so I'm going to say it for her. And furthermore, she's the blogger, the scientist, the beauty, the photographer, and powerhouse behind Stupid Easy Paleo, which is actually one of my personal favorite reference websites. I think she's got some great material up there. And a lot of you guys ask me, you know, what are the sites that I personally read? And hers is hands down one of my favorite. She's always very thorough. Um, and, and she breaks down information in a really easy to digest format. So in addition to being a fierce competitor in the gym, uh, slash a modern day lady version of Bill Nye the Science Guy. It's how I like to think of you, Steph. Um, <laughs> which is a hat tip to her previous prof- profession as a science teacher. Uh, Steph is also incredibly genuine, really approachable, and I'm personally beyond blessed to be able to call her a friend. She's at times taken me under her wing, provided me with some coaching. And uh, although I've never been accused of being the best athlete, I... Uh, um, I always strive to be very coachable, and that's actually the only athletic award I've ever won was I got most coachable. <laughs> so, so um, yeah, so it's been, it's been awesome to know her, and we're excited to have you on today, Steph. Thank you. That's such a great introduction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's easy to write that stuff when I really mean it. <laughs> uh, I appreciate that. It's, uh, it's great to have not only like colleagues in this community, but people that are friends. And it's, yeah, I think it's amazing. I've met so many people that I would never have had the chance to if I wasn't doing this. So I think I'm pretty lucky. It's pretty cool. Birds of a feather in this world. It's, it's neat how, what kind of friends you make. Um, yeah, well, I know that you are in the middle or, or in between book tours, I guess. Um, going around the country, 
doing signings and talks revolving around the performance paleo cookbook. And I know you're touring with Sierra from Popular Paleo who wrote uh, the Frugal Paleo Cookbook, which is another really great resource out there. And I've got one of her recipes on my site. But um, we, I got to actually meet you in Austin. We've, we've met once before at Paleo FX, I think, was the first time. Um, but got to come up and see you girls in Austin and we went and had dinner together. And I remember you telling me that one of the coolest parts of this book tour is to kind of, you know, we get out of our house away from the computer. Cause sometimes this blogging world, it, it can at times be a little lonely because you don't, you know, really interact with the people that you're talking to. And so getting out there just seems like a really neat opportunity. And I know you've met some really incredible people, um, I'd love to know if there's one story or person that really sticks out in your mind that you'd like to share with us. Yeah, there, there's definitely a few and it's so great to, like you said, meet people face to face. I think so often we're kind of in our little bubble and, you know, for people like me that work from home, it's, uh, you know, we keep in touch through social media, but it's totally not the same as sitting down face to face with somebody or getting to interact with a crowd. And it's um, in a, in a lot of ways is really just kind of renews my energy and gives me a new perspective because sometimes we write blog posts or we put posts out on social media and it's like crickets, you know? <laughs> yes. We don't hear, we don't always hear feedback either, either positive or negative um, because people just take that in and, and maybe they use it, but they don't have time to comment and stuff like that. So it's it's really gratifying to hear things that people are excited about that that we've put out into the world and whether it's recipes or information or books or whatever it is um it's cool to <laughs> to hear that from them but i think um, we heard we heard from so many people like people who were you know they've been sedentary time and they started eating paleo and their health improved and then they decided to start exercising in some way and they found whatever it is that they love to do and so those are some of the the stories that stick out to me there's um one gal who uh has been a you know kind of a follower on instagram for quite a while and she introduced herself and and she didn't tell me her screen name until afterwards and I was like oh my gosh yeah like I totally know who you are but just her story about she's you know so much weight loss and um you know a return to to health I think that was one of the stories and she was just like so amazing and wonderful and um thankful and that was probably like and there was like hugs and almost crying and all this other stuff and it was like that stuff just totally um lights me up because I used to have a job where I talk to people every day in person and I, w I was a teacher and and so now I don't get to do that quite as much but she was definitely one of my favorite stories um we heard from folks who had you know they were like either pre-diabetic or diabetic and they were able to get off their medication and um you know all sorts of all sorts of things but it's just um it's just so cool to see how folks are are being touched by that stuff um I heard from folks who are you know kind of like me, um, training for certain sports and a little bit more into the performance side of things. But I also heard from people who were just like, hey, I'm going to just decide to try my first 5K. Like, you know, they're just kind of starting out and they, they know that eating well is an important component to doing the sport that they are interested in and doing it well. So 
I think that was interesting to see the connection between those things too. Like it wasn't always just, and it's not always just elite athletes or people that had been to the CrossFit games or people who were doing Ironman. For some people it was like, Hey, like I have this really long hike that I want to do and I'm planning to do this summer and I'm training for it. And it's not something we would kind of normally think as being a performance endeavor, but Mm -hmm. you know, it can be if, if you're going to go out and do like a three day hike and backpack. I mean, that takes a lot of physical effort and you have to definitely eat well and probably train some amount for it if you've never done it before. So I think it's really cool to see how the cookbook can help people who are at different levels in terms of physical activity and including that in their lifestyle. That's an awesome point, you know, and that's something that I think is a distinction. I am definitely not by any means an elite athlete. Uh, but just striving to be fit and active and mostly because I find it really fun and it makes me feel great is something that I uh, pursue. But staying mindful about paleo and and food and nutrition to help fuel that performance is something that's still really important. And I think I've poured through the Performance Paleo Cookbook. I think it's beautiful. Well, you did a beautiful job with the photography. Um, But the the recipes and some of your introductions, yeah, of course, (laughs) some of the introductions you provided to just kind of it was a very simplistic way to present how you can think more critically and apply some of these principles that you've um, you've just funneled down over time. It it just it makes a lot of sense, and like you said, it's applicable to really any level athlete. Um, and that kind of leads me into one of my next questions. You know, can you tell us a little bit more about why then you decided to take on the endeavor of writing the performance paleo cookbook? It's really the result of all of the questions that people have asked me over the last like (laughs) five five years of being paleo Um, and I've had I've been blogging on stupid easy paleo we started I started the blog I say we I started the blog (laughs) in um, November of 2011 but I was blogging on a different website before that so and about food and about paleo because I've been paleo since January of 2010 so Along And I've been an athlete the whole time. And, and so, you know, it's funny because people will people like get a hold of you on Facebook and they're like, oh, what are you doing for this? And what are you doing for that? Or, and now that I have, now that Stupid Easy Paleo is more of a, an, its own entity, you know, and I have people co- mm-hmm. asking me questions through the website or through Facebook or through email or in person at the gym. Like, I I really listened to and I thought it was important to address the questions that people always ask because ultimately it would be great for me to make a a book that was like only for my vested interest but I was really to me to address and and talk about and give people resources for the things that they're always asking you know and maybe I guess I'm not like in in the business of repeat customers (laughs) like I really feel like if people have questions, I want to help answer them. I'm going to give them everything everything I know um, to be the case. And I really want them to walk away feeling like, okay, I'm properly equipped to, you know, eat in a way that's going to support my performance goals. So that was really the, the reason that I wrote the cookbook. It's also kind of the practical implementation of The Paleo Athlete, which is the ebook that I, that I put out last year. Um, so it was kind of, that was like, oh, okay, here's a lot about the science. Here's a lot about the theory of nutrition and eating a paleo type for performance. 
but you still have to go to your kitchen at the end of the day or at mealtime and cook something for yourself. Like not everybody can afford to subscribe to a meal service, for example. So if you have to cook the food, what are you going to cook that's going to still fit those, um, the, those guidelines, you know, like a general paleo approach, but be tweaked in a way that it can support your goals. And so I was like, well, a cookbook, <laughs> that's, what, <laughs> that's what we need. We need to, to give the recipes to people and, and put that framework in, in people's hands. And so that's why, that's why I wrote the cookbook. That's great. And I've actually tested out a few of the recipes and I love them. Up on the blog now, you guys, you can find, I shared uh, Steph's, uh, oh my goodness, jalapeno mango dressing. Did I say the name yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, jalapeno okay, good. dressing. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it's dreamy. It is so dreamy. It is, I was shocked. I mean, the flavors are really balanced. That's one of my favorites and that's up there. You can kind of get a sneak peek at it, but um, it, it, you make... Because sometimes when we think about food for performance, you know, or paleo for performance, back in my days when I was first started paleo and I wasn't really cooking and wasn't being creative in the kitchen, I was just straight up shredded chicken, Mm -hmm. hard-boiled eggs, steamed broccoli and spinach and, you know, berries is what I survived on. It was all very basic. Um, You know, that's that used to be what I thought that I had to eat in order to really do well with some of the goals that I had at that time. Mm-hmm. And I think that what you've provided is a lot of flavor and a lot of variety for people who are, um, like you said, they want to support their goals. So that's wonderful. Do you have a favorite recipe from the book? Just out of curiosity. Uh, <laughs> that's like picking a favorite child. Oh. Um, <laughs> geez. I think one of my favorites is the tender Asian marinated flank steak. Um, I love steak and I think that's, that one has a lot of great flavor. So, and that's something I would make for myself, you know, on a, on a Tuesday night, like it it would just be something I would get ready in the morning and let it sit in the fridge all day. And then I would, when I'm ready for dinner, I come home from the gym or whatever. That's, that's like something I would make. Um, So probably that I also, man, I really like the, uh, the crunchy chicken, like the slaw, crunchy slaw with chicken is, Mm -hmm. uh, is pretty great. And that's actually the recipe that I developed the mango jalapeno dressing for, because, um, I wanted to put, I I wanted to kind of make like a, a slaw that had like a creamy dressing, but my husband can't eat eggs. And so doing a mayo based dressing wasn't going to work. And so I just kind of experimented and, and came up with that. Um, that dressing. So that's, that's how that whole thing came about. But I love like crunchy, um, fresh kind of like salads like that. I think they're really delicious. Yeah. I mean, you can eat them over and over again. They make great leftovers. Yeah. And it makes like a pretty big batch. So if you're cooking for yourself and somebody else, or you're cooking for yourself and you want leftovers, like you can, you can get a lot out of those things. And, you know, generally they don't, take a lot of uh, a a ton of prep time other than chopping up some veggies yeah that's awesome and that's something else that I really appreciate with your recipes is they're really straightforward I don't feel like I'm trying to study new arts of French cooking which are really (laughs) intimidating and I take those on about once a month Um, but that's great awesome I really want to transition into I know this is something that you can really speak a lot to because I think that you and I have talked about it a little bit before and you've written about it on your blog, Stupid Easy Paleo, um, in a lot of different senses. But 
you know, whether somebody is starting a new fitness program, training for a big event, or just trying to, you know, kick athletic game into a new level, it can be so easy to fall into the arms of the confusing and oftentimes contradicting minutiae of food for performance. You know, we're like, well, we need to have X grams of protein at exactly this many minutes after we work out. You need to have this special pre-workout drink and we kind of get lost in it and we forget the reason, I think, in some ways why we're doing it at the beginning. So, you know, with your wealth of knowledge about the science, you know, meaning that I trust you as someone who has actually chased down those minute details um, just after following you, I know that to be true, plus your years of personal experience and then I also know you to be a very solid, reasonable person. Um, What is your take on the important things that a person should consider when trying to make sure that we're being more mindful about food that will benefit performance? So can you repeat the question one more time? I want to make sure I've got it right. Yes, I can. Okay, so I'm going to reword it a little bit. Okay. <laughs> um, so what, are, what would you say are some good sense practices mm. for performance paleo okay. and that will help you kind of avoid that black hole of perfectionism? Got it. So I think what's really important is um, moving away from this mindset that we have to eat every two hours, we have to eat eat like six meals a day um, to keep our energy up or to keep our metabolism stoked, like stoke the fire, burn the fat, like all this stuff is just not actually really founded in anything that you can have backed up by real science. And in fact, um, eating tons and tons of tiny meals a day not only takes a lot more time, but it actually causes your blood sugar to never really stable, you know, reach a stable point. So it's like you're always eating and your body's always trying to figure things out. You're putting a contact digestive system. So one of the things that I really think is important is eating three, like three square meals a day, just like our parents told us and, and we were kind of taught growing up. Because when we do that, we not only are able to simplify food prep and eating and, you know, what we're going to eat when we don't need to take a backpack full of snacks with us everywhere we go for fear that we're going to lose out on some fat burning zone. Um, It just makes things simple. So three square meals a day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner um, are where, you know, I tell people to start and then think about what to eat um, possibly before your workout and after your workout. And it, I think the pre-workout stuff really depends on when your last meal was and how hungry you may currently be. Um, if it's been like two hours since you ate your last meal and you ate a proper amount, you shouldn't be starving. <laughs> you, your body should actually be in the process of starting to you know, get the digestion going. Um, you should feel satiated. Um, and so like, if you feel like, okay, I just ate two hours ago, but I'm starving, something to kind of look at there. Six hours since you ate your last meal and you're going into a workout and your stomach is growling and you're feeling kind of off. Yeah, like have a little bit, have a, a hard boiled egg and a handful of nuts or have um, some kind of one of the pre-workout drinks from the book or something like that. But I think a lot of times we don't actually need a pre-workout. The post-workout is really a good practice for people who are pretty serious about training and who are training a lot. So I always say that frequency kind of matters. Like if you're only training once a week, then it's not as critical that you get a post-workout because you won't be training for another six days. Um, And you'll still recover, but you won't be putting a demand on your body as soon. 
if you're training five days a week or four days a week, it's pretty likely that you have a training session coming up the next day or the next morning or whatever that is. And so it's more important than that you eat a post-workout. Um, so those are kind of the ways I, I help, I try to help people decide if they even need to, you know, a lot of people are really concerned with, um, losing fat or maintaining their body weight and not gaining weight. And so my answer to that is if you're less active, then you, you generally don't need as much caloric intake. Um, if you're more active, then of course that's going to change. And then of course that, that time aspect of like, when is the next time you're going to work out? So those are some things to think about. Um, and then I would say just the, probably the one thing I hear a lot is, well, what, do, what exactly should you eat post-workout? Mm-hmm. And you really want to think about eating protein because that's going to provide the amino acids for muscle recovery and, and to actually build muscle. It's a process called muscle protein synthesis. <laughs> um, so you need to actually feed your body the building blocks for that. And those building blocks come from proteins that are rich in branched chain amino acids or BCAAs. So those are things like meat, fish, and eggs. Um, or if you're going to do a BCAA, BCAA supplement, something like that. And then something with carbohydrate to replenish the muscle glycogen that you used. And that's going to be like the best option for that is going to come in this in the form of starchy carbohydrate. Um, fruit is okay. It's got more fructose. Fructose doesn't really replenish muscle glycogen directly. It actually goes to the liver. So if you've been, if you've drained your muscle glycogen, you need something to replace it, which is where things like sweet potatoes and, and plantains and white potatoes and um, if you're on team white rice, that's where all that comes in. So, um, so thinking about protein and carbohydrate post-workout and keeping fat in a minimum, especially, like I said, if you're training very soon afterwards, meaning within 24 hours, if you eat a lot of fat, it makes your stomach empty slower, which is great for regular meal time because that helps to us keep like helps us to stay full. But um, if we do that, it's definitely slowing down our recovery. So we want to keep fat to a minimum there, and uh, don't get crazy. And you don't have to like microscopically dissect every last little bit of fat off of a chicken breast. But maybe choose a leaner meat instead of a fattier meat. Or if you're doing a shake, use water instead of coconut milk. Like there are different ways that you can adjust what you're already doing but just make it a little bit on the lower on the fat side. That's great. Those are really practical tips. And I, you can read more about this stuff in Steph's Performance Paleo Cookbook and then also in her ebook. And then she's got a lot of stuff on her website, Stupid Easy Paleo. And just one of the things that you said earlier, you try to provide all the information so that people walk away feeling really informed. And that's definitely the truth. So that's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. I think it's going to help a lot of people. Because that's a question that I get a lot too, uh, is folks asking, well, what should I eat pre and post workout? And, um, you know, I can give some general thoughts, but mostly I want to redirect you to Steph. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, that's really great. Let's go ahead and jump quickly into, so we like to tie up our podcast with a fun little two-part segment, fed and then fit, and they're kind of just rapid-fire questions and little bullet points that people can uh, just kind of chew on throughout the rest of their week. So for fed, I'd love to know if there are three foods that come to your mind for 
to help boost performance or three quick food-related tips that you've got for people? Yeah, um, start incorporating gelatin into your routine. So whether that's through bone broth or you're going to make some kind of gummies or something like that. So start increasing your intake of gelatin. Uh, that's going to help with joint health, with gut health. So that's one. Uh, fermented food. <laughs> so yeah. fermented veggies, like we definitely want to keep our gut bacteria happy because that's, you know, it's important for just overall gut health. Um, and then to also just maintain the integrity of our gut lining and stuff like that. So uh, increasing or starting to use fermented foods is uh, is really important. And I would say veggies are probably like a number one priority and uh, to go with those first and see if that makes a difference and then play with other stuff after that. And then the third one would be to start as much as it like weirds people out. Um, even things like chicken livers are a relatively benign place to start and liver is so, so nutritious for us. So I would say, you know, if you can grate some into some meatballs or um, sneak it in some other way, I know Liz Wolf does these like liver shots or like fruit and you supposedly don't taste it. I'm going to try them still. I don't know. I'm a little weirded out by it too, but I, I try to make it a point to have some um, at least liver every week. That's great. I, I have not incorporated liver on a weekly basis just yet. Uh, but we do dabble in other organ meats and I think those are, those are great tips. So gelatin, fermented foods and organ meats slash liver. Awesome. Okay. For fit, I would love, this is one of my favorite topics and in my mind, you are the guru on it. There's no better person (laughs) to talk about it. Um, but for this fit segment, I would love to hear your thoughts because there is a lot of noise out there in with their own strong contradicting perspectives. But I'd love to know your thoughts on strength training for women and really what that actually means, you know, for for the individual athlete. Um, yeah, anyways, just share your thoughts on strength training for women. We need to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. There you go. And close. Um, yeah, and scene. Um, you know, it's really muscle... Muscle mass is super underappreciated in terms of its roles for our metabolism and the fact that muscle is actually an endocrine organ. And when we work muscle by strength training and strength training heavy enough, we actually can metabolically change the characteristics of tissues that are outside of muscle. So by working out our muscle, we can actually positively impact our, like, for example, what does that look like? What does that look like in real life? It looks like our body composition. So, you know, decrease fat mass, increase lean muscle mass and, and other, other things as well, like the insulin sensitivity of muscle. And so it's, it's a really complex thing, but if we're not working out our muscle by lifting heavy enough, we don't get those benefits. That's not to say we don't get any benefit, um, but to activate the most amount of muscle fiber and get the most possible benefit, we have to actually apply loads that are heavy enough. Now, that doesn't always mean that like somebody who's brand new is going to go in and back squat 200 pounds. Um, <laughs> it, that's kind of silly. And for most people who are starting out and they've never done any weight training, like this is a long process. Mm-hmm. And what's heavy for you now may not be what's heavy for you in five years. 
but it's important that you're, you've got some kind of a stimulus that's going to actually, you know, you're going to get a benefit from. And so I said this on, uh, on Instagram a couple weeks ago and it got some people really riled up (laughs) and I said, you know, two pounds is not heavy. And, and somebody took offense to that and said, well, everybody starts somewhere. And I was like, I, I, yes, I completely agree with that. But my 71 year old mother-in-law can lift two pounds. That's two cans of soup, (laughs) you know? And, and so I want people to put that in perspective. Like when you start, if you go to a gym, a strength and conditioning facility, a CrossFit, like wherever you're going to go, you're probably going to start and learn how to lift properly, like just the mechanics and stuff like that. And obviously putting super heavy loads on your body just to start out is not a good idea. But we'd like to see that the goal over time is that you're lifting relatively heavy for what your your capacity is. And so, um, you know, that's where finding a good facility, finding a good coach who understands your um, your challenges with mobility or past injury or your goals, like that stuff becomes really important. And then teaching you how to do it in a way that's safe. So, um, you know, it's, it's not something you're going to just go out overnight and, and be able to do unless you have prior experience. But as we get older, especially women, like we lose a significant amount of muscle mass and over time that can have, you know, everybody thinks about just bone density or how fat you are as a metric of how healthy you are. But if we're losing tons of muscle mass, we're actually losing quite a bit of the ability to positively impact our metabolism and just overall strength. And, you know, I think about um, elderly folks who have lost the ability to be able to even stand without assistance or, you know, if you fall and you get hurt or you break a hip or something. I mean, a lot of us are really far away from that point in our lives, but the foundation that we set for ourselves now can affect that. So I really am pretty passionate about the fact that, you know, if if we're not doing physically strenuous jobs, which a lot of us aren't anymore and, you know, we need to get out and start exercising our muscle. Um, and no, lifting two pound dumbbells is not going to get you there. <laughs> so <laughs> if you're going to send hate mail, send it to me. Don't send it to Cassie. But, um, <laughs> you know, I think it's important that we start to think about that. And, and it's, it's hard, right? There's definitely still a stigma out there about women who have muscle. And if you're not really thin and, getting too bulky and and yeah like if you start to squat you're gonna get like a, your butt's gonna look round like mm-hmm. your legs are gonna look shapely like you're gonna there's a muscle in the back of your leg it's you know those are called your hamstrings <laughs> they're supposed to they're supposed to stick out a little bit like you'll go through these body changes but you know in the end um you have to be okay with that for who you are and for what you're able to accomplish with that new body that you have um, rather than just to think like, oh, I'm not skinny like I used to be. And so it, there, it's really complex. Like there's a huge, a huge amount of stuff that we could talk about with mm-hmm. body image and lifting and, and what happens with all that and um, psychologically the benefits from it and confidence increasing. And, you know, it's not all just bad. So um, I would just encourage people to, if they're lifting, you know, Think about if they're just challenging themselves or if you're just like going through the motions um, or if you're interested to find a gym around you that you're comfortable at, that has good coaches um, and that is going to help you to improve, uh, improve your lifting in a, in a way that's safe. Mm-hmm. 
That's great. And I know that's something that keeps a lot of people away. A lot of people that I personally work with and talk to is they're worried about um, just injuries. And it, you're exactly right. You sit down, find a coach, interview folks, and tell them exactly what your limitations are and what you're worried about. And you find someone who's really competent as a coach, they can work around it and they can help you achieve some of those goals that you do have. Yeah, I think the the, the idea of getting hurt scares <laughs> a lot of people, but yeah. you can get hurt doing anything. Um, <laughs> That's true. Yeah, and you know, I think um, people... Some, there was somebody who commented on my Instagram yesterday saying like, hey, just FYI, CrossFit's dangerous. And I was like, I mean, CrossFit in this video. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of it has to do with, uh, you know, ego getting in the way and you're pushing yourself and you should take the day off or you should, you know, um, some of it is just because you have bad luck. Like I broke my finger in the gym. Like, I guess it's technically a gym injury, but it was my own stupid fault. I was putting a bar down on the ground and it just hit the platform and I broke my finger Um, you know, so anything can happen at any time, but I kind of, I'm of the opinion that I, I probably have less risk to my health exercising than I do not exercising. Totally. Right. So like over time, if I were just to not do any physical activity, I, I think there's a higher risk there. So, you know, as with anything in life, if I was to to go out and join like a an adult soccer team (laughs) Mm -hmm. or like go play basketball in the park, like all this stuff, you can still get hurt doing that too. Um, It's just that we tend not to think about those things as like being super scary, right? Because like everybody can go pick up a soccer ball and run around, Mm -hmm. but um, it takes a little bit more to be able to put a barbell on your back and, uh, and squat or, or do some deadlifts or something. So you know, I think it's important that we keep it all into perspective and we don't get too like sucked into the the drama around, you know, unfortunate things that happen to people because they happen to be in a gym doing something at the time or it was a freak thing or they didn't listen to their coaches and take the day <laughs> off or, you know, there are so many different factors there. Um, so I think it's important to keep that stuff in perspective and not get too carried away with like the media coverage and the sensationalized stories. And, you know, just know that if you're, you're going to go out and do a basic strength training program, you're going to do some presses and some deadlifts and some squats and do it in a way that's safe. There's, you know, what can you do? Like shit happens, but Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, it's, um, it's just something you have to accept, but overall, I think you're going to be getting way more benefit from it than, than risk. Absolutely. I, I mean, just for reference, I, I, I am on record as a generally accident prone person. Um, and I was crossfitting for four years and never had an injury and my, and, and I was crossfit three to five times a week, very regularly. I did some other activities at the time. And, um, the only time I injured myself was when I personally got greedy in a workout, Yeah, you know, and that's totally on me. And my coaches even encouraged me to slow down. We were doing 36 inch box jumps and a lot of them. And I was just kicking butt and I wanted to kick more butt. (laughs) (laughs) And so I slipped and I got tired as naturally you would. And I have now a nice long scar on my shin. Scars don't bother me at all, but you know, that was my own doing. And so um, definitely not at all the fault of the the programming or my coach. So anyways, I think that's a great point. That's a really, that's something that's, I think, a great reminder for people um, 
there's a bunch of excuses we can come up with as women or as people in general as to why we want to avoid strength training. But at the end of the day, it just makes good sense. And like you said, the benefits significantly outweigh any possible other consequences. So awesome points. High five. (laughs) High five (laughs) from Texas to California. (laughs) Um, Well, thanks so much, Steph, for coming on. I, I just, I adore you and I love all of your, your message today and beyond and all of your different platforms. If you guys want to learn more about Steph, make sure you check out the performance paleo cookbook, stupideasypaleo.com. And she is also one of the most interactive people on social media that I personally follow. She does a really great job. If you, have, if you ask a question, Steph will find you and answer it. Um, <laughs> and I, uh, I don't know if you if that's something that you really strive for, but it's something that I admire. And I try to remember to cut out some time in my day to do the same. So I, yeah, I try. I try. <laughs> <laughs> well, you do an awesome job. Um, well, thanks again for coming on. And if you guys have more questions for stuff, feel free to comment below in the show notes uh, via my blog. And, and we'll be back again next Monday. Talk to you then. Bye-bye.